welcome to the Urgent Care Leadership Podcast. I'm Llewellyn Horwitz. As CEO of the Urgent Care Association, and after working in the industry for over 15 years, I've met a lot of urgent care leaders in every role and at every level. These are the people taking the risk of being a little ahead of everyone else. And though we all spend a lot of time talking about the business of urgent care or urgent care medicine, we don't talk a lot about urgent care leadership. So as you've probably guessed, that's what this podcast is all about. I'm really glad you're here, so let's get into it. In this episode, I get to talk with Stan Blaylock, Chairman and CEO of Physicians Immediate Care, which has 55 locations in Illinois, Indiana, and Wisconsin. Physicians Immediate Care was one of the early leaders in the urgent care industry. Their founder, Dr. John Kaler, was on the Urgentology podcast last month, in case you didn't hear it. In 2012, Physicians Immediate Care took on investors through private equity and Anthem, the largest for-profit company in the Blue Cross and Blue Shield Association. At the same time, Stan took on leadership of the organization. Prior to coming to Physicians Immediate Care, he was a president of Walgreens Health Services. And before that, he was co-founder and CEO of a national provider of specialty pharmacy services that he sold to Walgreens. Stan obviously has insight into a rapidly changing healthcare industry that continues to dip its toe in the urgent care space. So I'm looking forward to hearing how he sees retail clinics in whatever form they take and pharmacies and urgent care centers working together, if at all. I also know that he's a guy who's really passionate about urgent care, so I'm looking forward to today's interview. Stan, thanks so much for joining me today, and welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Llewellyn. It's great to be with you, um, and thank you for your leadership and your team's leadership with the Urgent Care Association. Oh, thanks. That's very, very nice of you to say. Well, I'm excited to hear your story, so I want to start at the very beginning. Tell me how you moved from the pharmacy side of the healthcare world into urgent care. Well, I left Walgreens um, in 2010 after having served as the president of Walgreens Health Services for a number of years. It was a a great time for me there and a lot going on in the pharmacy industry. And I just sort of retired. (laughs) Um, I kind of left. I can relate. (laughs) Exactly. You know, a a long grind of of working really hard at at a big public company. And I just took some time off and joined some board of directors and was going to take was going to basically find find what else I might do with with my life at that time point. And before I knew it, I got a number of boards of directors, and I was working with uh, my former investor group, who had sponsored me in the prior company that I had co-founded and built at Medmark Specialty Pharmacy. And we were looking at interesting things to do, and invest in, and healthcare services came to mind. And what was interesting is that, you know, pharmacy, and I love, especially pharmacy, I love because we were taking care of patients with chronic care conditions, making their lives better. A lot of people with some very difficult, difficult healthcare conditions. And then we sort of said, what else in healthcare services seems like it's underserved? It's fragmented. We could apply technology. We could bring a sophisticated business model to, and there's a clear value proposition. We said, we looked at a lot of things and we saw urgent care. And we loved the fact that it was sort of faster, better, more affordable care. Now think about this too, you know, 10 plus years ago, urgent care has grown tremendously in awareness since that time. Mm-hmm. But back then, much mm-hmm. less so. And we were looking for a platform company to get together with. And that's how I was introduced to Dr. John Kaler, who's, you know, one of the early leaders of the Urgent Care Association. And with that former investor group and actually a strategic investor, Anthem, we recapitalized Physicians of Medicare. And then we've been growing ever since. Well, and how did they get you to take the job? 
you know, uh, this is probably bad judgment on my part. I mean, it honestly, it was just, I, I was very excited about the opportunity to uh, treat, and, and it's, it's been, you know, millions of patients now over the years since I've been CEO, treat patients in a setting where we could do things in a way that drove ultimate convenience and basically help them with conditions that in a, in a cost-effective setting too. I mean, one of the things that we know is access is a big issue in a lot of, in a lot of areas. Patients just can't get in to the, see their primary care doctor. That If they go to an emergency room, it's way too expensive. And so urgent care fills this great void in the healthcare landscape. And I was excited about that. And I got energy about doing <laughs> it again. Resist. I, I couldn't. And <laughs> here I am, you know, 10 years later, but it's been a lot of fun. And and I, I think we've seen the industry, as you know, just evolve to be a really important part of the healthcare landscape. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So when we look at physicians' immediate care, sort of before and after that time, they were multi-state before you got involved, but it looks like that's adjusted over the past decade or so. You were in Nebraska and Oklahoma. You've left those markets, entered into Wisconsin and, and Indiana. How do you all decide about entering and exiting a market like that? Well, at the time, uh, we only had, when I got here, we had one clinic in Nebraska and we had one in Oklahoma. And, and we had about uh, 18 in Illinois. And one of the things that I know in healthcare services is that regional density is really important. Uh, when you think about just moving staff around, how you, how you work with managed care organizations and the like, and not that Nebraska or Oklahoma were bad markets for us. We had good clinics there, good teams but it made sense for those to uh, sell those to other folks who were committed in a big way to those states. And we've invested now we're, you know, if you think about just me here, we're 45 clinics here in Illinois and, you know, half dozen in, in Indiana expanding in, in Wisconsin. So the regional density was important. I think also when we, when we look at entering and exit markets, I look at the payer dynamics a lot, you know, can I partner with managed care? Can we get, paid appropriately for the great care we provide? What's the competitive landscape like? Uh, you know, it's a very competitive business, but can we carve out our niche? We used to call them urgent care deserts. You know, can we find an urgent care desert and be the oasis and put a new clinic there? Not as many of those anymore, as you know, lots more competitive. Uh, and then finally, when I'm looking at a new market, can I partner with someone? As we just entered Wisconsin, we partnered with Ascension, one of the largest health systems up there, who's also strategic partners of our of ours. Uh, when I went into Indiana, it was with Anthem. Anthem is a payer partner, so it was a strategic investor in the company. So do we have kind of an angle? Can we build a sustainable competitive advantage and embed ourselves in those healthcare communities? Because we want to be part of the solution, not part of the problem in, in the healthcare world. Versus just one pole in the sand to, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah, absolutely. Regional density in, in most all healthcare services organizations, in my opinion, is, is, is critical. You mentioned Anthem. Um, let's talk about them because that was where the biggest waves mm -hmm. came, really, not from you personally becoming part of the market, but really Anthem was one of the second second or third, I think, investors that really came into urgent care and, and you know, that three made a trend. And so... The whole urgent care community got nervous that insurance companies were going to start buying centers and then shut everybody else out that they didn't own, shut them out of the network. 
part of us were excited. The big insurance company even, you know, was interested in getting into urgent care. That seemed to bode well that they valued urgent care. And so, you know, there was a lot of uncertainty in the market around that. I think your Anthem's investment was before Optum got into MedExpress, but just after Humana got into Concentra. So there was so much buzz going on at the time. As an, an insider, what is it like having an insurance company as an investor? Good question. It's the second time I've had uh, basically an insurance company as an investor. Highmark uh, Blue Cross was an investor in, in Medmark Specialty right. Pharmacy for us. And I actually think it's a positive. Um, they, they clearly uh, understand the dynamics of their provider networks, and they care deeply about having broad access to appropriate care, you know, and if practiced appropriately, they understand that urgent care provides the right care at the right place at the right time, right? They get that. And they also understand it's kind of faster, better, more affordable care. They don't want someone going to an emergency room when they could be treated more effectively in an urgent care setting at a fraction of the cost. They understand the challenges that patients have getting into primary care. They also want patients to feel like they can have a medical home. Well, a lot of patients don't want a medical home. So where are they going to come? A lot of them come to us. They come and they come back and they know we can, we can treat them well. So I think they, they, they recognize the importance. I think they've continued to recognize the importance. I think they're reluctant to limit networks, as you said, because the reality of it is, is more urgent care is better for them. It really is. If it's, a practice, if it's practiced appropriately, and we can talk more about that, but we have to do real urgent care. We have to do the things that keep people out of the higher cost settings. And the second thing we have to do, and that we do, I think, well, is, is coordinate care. We have to be part of the solution. So if we, if someone needs to get to primary care, we we coordinate that care. If they need specialist care, we get it. If they have to go to the emergency room, sometimes they show up and they need to get there. We have to do that well. I believe, you know, the, the balance with with the, the payers obviously is the how much how you get paid for what you do, and that's always going to be a tension because we're providers, right? And so they don't typically walk in and say, we want to pay you more. (laughs) (laughs) Darn. And we were all hoping that that was the secret of behind your success and everybody else. But, you know, it does make me wonder if your quote unquote, you know, meetings with your investors because they're from the healthcare side are different than some of your fellow CEOs meetings with their investors who are just straight up private equity. Has there been any chit chat about that? I mean, do you have a sense that there's some shorthand that you get to take advantage of or? I do think they have special insights into what's going on in the industry because they're seeing, you know, urgent care visits and other things across their entire networks, right? Multiple states and the like. And they have they have a very good feel for that. I think, you know, they were very supportive during the, you know, the pandemic here with COVID nineteen. And I think they appreciated what we did. Think about think about how urgent care was on the front lines of the pandemic. The payers clearly understood that and that we we needed to get appropriately reimbursed for for COVID nineteen testing and keep people out of higher cost settings and provide access. So um, we do get special insights. I'll say that much. And I really I, I've had outstanding board members that, and and that really kind of get where we're headed. So very very much appreciate what their their insight. That's cool. That's cool. So let's talk about the other side of of your your former life. You have a lot of experience in pharmacy and drugstore business. And, you know, we've all been watching all sorts of different iterations from 
Walgreens and CVS and whomever, as they have done retail clinics and health hubs and and all of the different things in between, um, I think as they're really looking for what their niche is, but these are really big, long established, highly, you know, well-financed companies. And my question for you is how, how fearful urgent care should be of companies like this and why? Well, they are formidable. Is as you said, that's the first thing you know. And having having been at Walgreens for a number of years, I mean, you've got companies there, Walgreens, CVS, hundred to three hundred billion, you know, revenue type companies. They're tremendous resources. I think they are committed to healthcare in a way that's different than us. I think their focus, both of them, and I can comment on each because I think their strategies are a little bit different. More in playing in the world of primary care, primary care light. You know, I, I think it's interesting. Walgreens had the take care clinics, which they they had ended up partnering a lot of those off with health systems. They got up to about 400 of them. And what they just did is a multi-billion dollar investment in Village MD. So they are going all in on the primary care side. Uh, and I know they have plans to open like 600 of these Village MDs, maybe a thousand by 2027. So huge commitment. Primary care. Urgent care is more acute episodic, in my opinion, in terms of how we play in that world. So there's no reason we can't work together. Yeah, there'll be some com- there'll be some competition. I think you when you look at like a CVS with their health hubs and their mini clinics, and they're over a thousand now. I think 1,100. They've they've done that, but you know they actually refer quite a bit of business to us. It's very interesting. A lot of times when we're in a market together, we market to them because you know we've got the X-ray capabilities. We're dealing with lacerations. We're dealing with things. You know, we have a much bigger formula facility that, that's designed to handle things they can't. Are they competition? In some respects, yes, but different, different. And so I don't underestimate any competition, particularly, you know, big, great, long-established companies with those kind of resources. But where we can work with them, we work with them. Uh, and where we can outflank them with with our business model, we'll do our best. I think that as you watch them experiment, you know, there's that underlying fear of, are they coming for us, you know, in a way, and and it, all indications are no, that they're, they're not looking to build in x-ray and procedure rooms into their health hub, that that's really just not, not the market they're going after. So, you know, when the retail clinics first came out, there was widespread panic and that's turned out to really be good for urgent care and for most communities. And, and it seems like as they continue to experiment, that's really, I'm glad to hear you say that, 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 you know, from your perspective, at least at this point, from what we know, it's, it's way harder to do urgent care as well. Um, just from, you know, maintaining that acuity capacity. So, yeah. And the skill set with a different staffing model. And, you know, look, I appreciate they want to help their chronic care patients, you know, CVS with Jones Aetna, you know, they have a big reason to want to take care of those chronic care patients. They're on a lot of meds, right? So a lot of prescriptions. So I can appreciate. And, you know, one of the things I like about urgent care, if we practice right pharmacy, pharmacy, if people need to get on these meds and stay on them. So there's a valuable thing they can do. And and I appreciate that. There's a lot of coopetition in the world, right? You figure out how you kind of cooperate with partners. Um, sure. But you know they are they are formidable. I'll end it with that. <laughs> we'll be watchful, not fearful. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I think you know fear is uh, you can't manage out of fear, right? Absolutely not. All right. Well, let's get a little more personal. What is your favorite thing about your job? 
I, I, you know, I love my job. Sometimes I just don't love how much I'm doing it because um, <laughs> it seems like all the time. But the, my favorite thing is working with the great teams of people I have. Uh, we just have outstanding people at Physicians of Medicare in the clinics and with our clinic support teams. You know, they're healthcare heroes. They have been through this pandemic and I can't say enough about them, but from our terrific medical leadership, our providers, the clinical staff, and then, you know, all the people behind the scenes and the clinic support teams too. They get me, you know, going every morning. They have passion for patient care. They understand our purpose. People that are in our business get it. And our purpose, and I will say it, remarkable care you can count on when and where you need it. That's motivating. That's motivating to me, but it's, it's, the, it's, it's the great folks I work with. Some of them predate me and, and uh, some of them, a lot of them, hopefully that I've, I've helped recruit and, and keep here. And then finally, as a CEO, you get to drive that culture. My heart pin, care from the heart. You get to do it. So when I look back in my role, hopefully I can help these great people drive great patient experience. That's what we're about. Making sure that our patients, you're only as good as your last visit. And I think that, uh, you know, having great people around you, that that's what it's about. Yeah. Someday I'm going to have a guest that comes on and says, yeah, I really, the thing I like most about my job is looking at the spreadsheets. <laughs> <laughs> that's just, that is just not how our urgent care leaders are built. So it's, it's so. No, it's not. It's fun to see that consistency guest over guest. Yes, so. I fall in that mode sometimes. Uh, you know, with my MBA, I fall in that mode. Well, but but I, <laughs> There's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> but you're, you're exactly right. I think people in our industry, uh, you know, really have passion for patient care. I would say that broadly. And that that's, that's tremendous because I really do think we were on the front lines. What did we do? 180 million urgent care visits last year? I think I'm close. Yeah, between 180 and 200. Yep. Yeah, that is a lot. You, you got to love it. You have yeah. to love it or it's it's not going to be fun. No. Well, let's look a bit, look at the future. Because of Physicians Immediate Care's size, you are part of UCA's Thought Leader Group and have been in lately on our sometimes heated discussions about where urgent care is going and the challenges that we face from all sorts of corners. As you think about the future of urgent care, where we're going, what will help us in the long term, what kinds of things do you think about? Well, you know, it's things you think about, you worry about, and you try to do better, right? And, uh, you know, what I worry about is making sure we're getting paid appropriately for the services we provide. Because there's there's a tension with wanting to get paid less because of the finite healthcare dollars. Everybody understands that. But we have a clear value proposition. As I said, we really do, I think, save the overall healthcare landscape money when we practice real urgent care. And so one of the things I, we've had a lot of discussions about is practicing real urgent care. You know, we can't be glorified triage. When people come in with that minor fracture or whatever, we have to treat them. So making sure that we continue to practice like that is critical. And we've had a lot of debate about that at the, uh, in our thought leaders meetings, as you know. I also think that we need to continue to drive awareness for our services. I think the, you know, the pandemic did a great job of doing that, but I'm not sure people we find all the time don't fully understand our total capabilities. There is a lot we can really do. We like to say when there's urgency, but no emergency. There's a lot of urgency. And a lot of times when the people, someone's hurt pretty bad, they think first emergency room. Well, we want them to think urgent care, right? And a lot of times, you know, they're, they're thinking, well, I'm sick, can't get in to see my primary care, come to us. I think also as an industry, 
we have to really begin to apply technology even in a greater way. We've been on that path and we have finite labor, right? Think about the labor market. It's the most challenging labor market in my lifetime in terms of recruiting people and retaining people. Well, if you're going to have a great patient experience too, you have to apply technology. There are great companies in the world where you almost never talk to a person. (laughs) Now, we can't do that in healthcare, obviously, but we can certainly make, facilitate, you know, that patient experience with technology. We have to apply that consistently. Um, And then finally, as we're building these relationships, how do we drive more recurring revenue? Got to build these relationships with these patients and have them come and come back. And, you know, the nice thing is for certain aspects, it's kind of hard to uh, do a COVID-19 test telemedically. Probably want to want to do that, particularly if you're doing a, you know, a rapid PCR test in the clinic. So what are the services we can do and how do we build those long-term relationships with our patients so that they view us as the solution? We, we need to embed ourselves in our communities. And in some cases, and our colleagues and our competitors have done a great job of that. And others, you know, what, what's that urgent care over there on the corner? What do they do again? It's a real, it's a real challenge for, for us as a company and for our industry. But all, all industries have significant challenges right now. We're doing our best. Going back to your first point, mm-hmm. why? I mean, do you have any theories on why you think we have such a hard time getting paid fairly? Does it tie with that lack of awareness of what we can do or that we're not doing all that we can do so we don't have data to support those things? Where, where does your thinking come down on that? I, th- I think it is a data approach. Uh, when we're d- having discussions with our managed care partners, it is, it is showing them the data in terms of what our patients self-report and then what, how we are act- actually practicing to show them we are saving money by keeping people out of higher cost settings and how we coordinate care to save money as well. Managed care companies are deep in the data and they understand that. And I think as an industry, we need to get deep in the data. And I think that's, I think that's critical. And once again, you got to practice what you preach. Like I said, you know, your data's got to show what you show. But I think, I think that's been an area and we've invested heavily in that where, where the industry could do more. And, I, and there's been some shoddy research out on the other side sponsored by, you know, other groups that have a vested interest in making urgent care look like it's not saving money. It's just not the case. It really isn't the case. And we have reams of data to show that. Yeah, I think we've come a long way, even just in the past five years of understanding, you know, we didn't, we did not do a good job with that data, not in the past, either because the technology wasn't there, as you say, you know, you were talking about patient experience, but there's a lot of business management technology that has, you know, recently maybe 10 years come into the space. Um, Same thing with referral data, as far as, you know, when you're putting together a health system partnership to be able to show, here's all the, you know, endocrinology patients we're going to send you, et cetera, et cetera. Um, We've not done a great job of that. And I I think that's, that's, that's bitten us in some of those negotiations of, you know, inability to, to show what we actually can and are doing. I would agree. I would agree with that. You know, um, in God we trust, all of us bring data. That's Edward Deming. That's not my quote. I mean, you, you, you've got to bring data. And what's great is our data is good for the most, you know, we've got good data. It's out there. <laughs> that helps. And, and, and part of it too is, you know, we have a fragmented industry. And so that's part of what the association is doing is bringing together that data. And I think having some more coordinated responses that really, really drive home the value proposition we have, because it is real. 
We know it. We saw almost a million patients last year. They come and they come back. And in my opinion, they're not coming to urgent care because, you know, oh, I really want to go to the urgent care. You know, they have a need, right? And we need to be top of mind and we need to, we need to treat them cost effectively. And we do. Even after all this time, it seems like we still have some work to do. Any parting thoughts for our audience? It's been a real pleasure to speak with you. I, you know, I love what I do. Like I said, I may not love how much I'm doing it all the time, but it's been, it's been a great ride. I think the urgent care industry has a bright future ahead of it as well. Not to say navigating anything isn't challenging right now, but I'm excited about the future for our, our company and the industry. Me too. It's been great to spend some time with us. Thanks for, thanks for joining me. Thank you for having me. You've been listening to UCA's Urgent Care Leadership Podcast. Let's keep raising the bar on each other, and I'll see you next time.